One Thing. Welcome to the One Thing Podcast. On this platform, we ask pain researchers one simple question. What's the one thing you want people challenged by pain to know about? Today's episode features Professor Jennifer Stinson from the Hospital for Sick Children in Toronto. One Thing. What's the one thing that you want people challenged by pain to know? Well, first, Josh, thanks for inviting me to be part of this series. I think the one thing that I want people to know about pain is that researchers in Canada, but elsewhere, are really trying right now to partner with uh, clinicians, patients who live with chronic pain and their families to rapidly develop virtual care solutions for these young people, not only during the pandemic, but beyond um, that. And we know that the pandemic has had a big toll on people with chronic pain across the lifespan, but especially for young people. So I'm sure you're aware there has been reports across all countries saying how young people are experiencing new onsets of pain, like headaches, stomach aches, limb pain, which you and I both know, if we don't treat it, can lead to chronic pain, right? So we know that early and widely accessible virtual care treatments can help prevent uh, a lifelong course of chronic pain and mental health problems in young people with chronic pain. I think obviously during the pandemic, it's revealed that we have huge cracks in our healthcare system. So not just in Canada, but this is around the world, right? Um, where we really don't have a lot of um, virtual care solutions. So virtual care is really any interaction that you have between patients or members of their healthcare team um, that occurs remotely, right? So it occurs using technology. So it can be apps, it can be websites, it can be therapy that's guided by a healthcare professional over teleconferencing like you and I are doing right now. Um, and so my lab, uh, which is called uh, IOUCH, which is Improving Outcomes in Child Health, is all about focusing on harnessing the power of these digital health technologies to promote pain self-management, right, in young people with painful chronic conditions, including chronic pain. So one example from my lab, um, which you know a little bit about, is the I Can Cope With Pain app, right? So following along with what Katie was talking about, about the importance of co-designing these technologies with young people. We really designed this app for young people, with young people, to provide personalized self-management. So it includes symptom tracking, goal setting, you know, pain coping strategies, peer support, and just basic pain neuroscience or education, right? So we've created this platform now for people with chronic pain, arthritis, sickle cell. We've got some new versions coming out for post-op pain because we know that people that have post-op pain, if it's not well treated, that can lead to chronic pain, et cetera. So really it's, I think, harnessing these sort of um, technologies um, I think came to light during the pandemic because all the virtual care was sort of halted, right? Um, for example, you couldn't even see a physical therapist if you needed to. So a lot of these young people were left without um, any treatments um, for their chronic pain. So really, a bunch of us in Canada with Melanie Noel and myself as the PI, we're leading a study uh, to develop step care solutions to reduce the impact of COVID-19 on pain, physical symptoms, mental health, substance use, which we know has increased during the pandemic. Um, and so, and I think you did talk with Katie Burney and 
she mentioned that one of the top 10 research priorities for young people with um, chronic pain in Canada was improved access to care and, and specifically mental health care. So I think this aligns with what um, patients and families and clinicians are sort of wanting during this pandemic and beyond. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm just imagining if one, if one of those families is watching this, what should they do? Yeah, yeah. so good, good question. So what happened with us is that uh, basically, so SickKids leads one of the largest chronic pain programs in Canada. And when the, the pandemic hit, like sort of March 13th or whatever, where it said, you know, we're halting all in-person visits, you know, we were able to successfully pivot our program at SickKids to virtual care where within a two-week period, we were able to move 70 in-person visits to virtual visits. Um, and really, we've, we've talked to patients and families, and they've said the majority of them want to continue with virtual care, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but one of the things that we had to do was rapidly source what freely available resources are for families. So again, Katie and I work a lot together. So we partnered with SCIP, which is Solution for Kids in Pain. Um, And within like a week, we sourced all the virtual free care solutions like Tanya Palermo's web map so that we could push that to patients and families so they could access these types of care while PT was halted, why a lot of the mental health services were halted, right? So one of the things in this project that we are doing is um, we're interviewing patients and families to look at the impact of COVID-19 on them um, and the resources that they have and barriers to accessing care. We've interviewed healthcare providers as well. Um, and really, a lot of the healthcare providers, like 65% of them, had rapidly moved to doing virtual care, but the majority of them reported barriers, uh, technical issues, patients and families not having, you know, a camera, those types of things that not the ability to not be able to do a detailed physical assessment, some of those things that are getting in the way. Um, And then Katie also, uh, together with myself, did a rapid knowledge synthesis to actually look what's out there related to best care practices for virtual care. Um, and also to define, to, to determine what kind of um, solutions are readily available. So she basically did that evidence summary to um, identify that there are lots of opportunities to leverage virtual care. There are some effective virtual care solutions that have been implemented. Um, and that, but it did identify that there's gaps where we do need much more evidence specifically related to chronic pain. Um, in young people and their families, um, and that patients, families, and healthcare providers are really interested in engaging in virtual care solutions. Um, and as I mentioned, we've done a survey of our patients and families, and a lot of them really want to stay with that or a hybrid model where they do most of it virtually. And if they really need to come in um, because of a physical assessment or a more complex patient, that we bring them in um, for those types of things. So and Katie right now is leading uh, an environmental scan. It's mainly in Canada, but we are looking at other places as well for solutions that are readily available right now that we can build into this um, kids' pain portal that we're trying to uh, develop in Canada. Yeah, wow. It sounds like a lot of the potential tech developments have to be accelerated at the moment. Do you have kind of a vision of where things are heading, like in the next decade or so? What will, will care be a hybrid approach, do you think? Or like what, what will 
healthcare for people in pain look like? Yeah, I think I've heard so many people say there's no going back. So virtual care is here to stay. Uh, and I do, I do agree, it will be a hybrid model, but I think we'll have much better technology, for example, like technology to do remote physical assessments and things like that in the future. I, I've heard of some of that coming down the pipeline, you know, apps with more sensors so you can track in real time the physical activity. Because we know from our study of healthcare providers that during the pandemic, there's sort of two groups of kids with chronic pain. One group that kind of regressed back and stops, you know, stop doing physical activity, stop doing sports, stop interacting at all with friends um, and leading to higher anxiety and depression. And then we had a group that still managed to continue with coping, seeing their friends remotely, still trying to be engaged in school. So I think if we can help tailor the solutions to those two groups of people and ways that they're coping with pain, I think will be helpful as well. So more personalized virtual care, I think would be important. A lot of people talk about a step care approach. So there's not one solution for all patients. So what, that's what we're trying to build in that kids pain portal is that the, the care will be based on that individual child. So there will be some assessments that are done and then based on how they're doing in terms of physical and mental health, different strategies will be pushed to them. So it's based sort of on a resiliency-based model where you sort of give the least intense intervention to that person. And then if they do it and they don't still aren't improving, then you step it up, right, where they may actually come to some therapy-guided um, session with a therapist. But a lot of it can be done self-guided, on their own, um, if the young people are motivated and don't have serious mental health issues that are getting in the way, but you have to be able to step up and step down the care based on the individual patient's needs. So I think tailoring and personalized help is uh, definitely another avenue that we need to be exploring. Yeah. Cool. Well, thank you so much for your time, Jen. I really appreciate it. Oh, well, that's great. One thing. For more information about One Thing, all of the video and podcast content, or to nominate a speaker for next season, check out onething.painsci.org. That's onething.painsci.org, or search One Thing on social media platforms.